and welcome to episode four of the Cleans and Queens podcast. In this episode, I chat with Kate McMullen, who is now based over in Canada. Kate's main role is as the physical preparation specialist for Wheelchair Basketball Canada. Alongside this, Kate is the interdisciplinary support team lead for the Field Hockey Canada Next Gen program and sports science consultant for both Field Hockey BC and Field Hockey Ontario. Kate, alongside her husband, also runs her own online training business, Athletes XL. Previously, Kate has been the lead sports scientist for the Scottish National Women's Football Academy, co-lead for the Scottish Squash Programme and strength conditioning coach for Tennis Scotland and Heriot Watt University. Kate took a two-year break from strength and conditioning after moving back to Canada when she worked as a team manager for both the Women's National Sevens Rugby Programme and Swimming Canada. Kate has also worked privately with three Paralympic athletes for the Rio Games in triathlon and sailing and one Olympic triathlete also on the way to Rio. So obviously Kate's CV is super impressive and she's a wealth of knowledge from the different positions she's held, sports she's worked in and even countries that she's lived in. This was a really good chat and Kate had a lot of good advice to pass on so I hope that anyone listening gets as much from it as I did. We're always looking for feedback, so both Kate and I's contact details are in the episode bio if you want to get in touch with us. Enjoy. So, hi Kate, welcome to the Cleans and Queens podcast. Thank you for coming on, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> no worries. So, for anyone giving us a listen, do you want to give yourself, or give us, sorry, um, a bit of a background? So, sporting background, career... Sure. Um, I guess first off, I love the name of this podcast. Cleans and Queens is awesome. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. That's brilliant. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, a bit about me was that I, my family immigrated to Canada when I was three. So I grew up in Vancouver, BC, and I had a really sporty family. Um, there's just four of us. So our extended family was all based back in the UK and we, my parents were super sporty. Um, and so we always had a, a ball, a frisbee, rugby ball, football, and we were always we were always playing um, around with it and any opportunity that we can. So I grew up with a quite a sporty family, and I went to a school that um, was a smaller school, so there was lots of opportunities to play sport, and I I took full advantage of that <laughs> and was on every every team possible. Uh, but field hockey kind of was my um, kind of came my sport of choice when I was 16 that sort of became my predominant sport that I chose and um, I did all the other sports as cross training but if there was a conflict I always did field hockey and I was lucky enough to get a full scholarship down in the states to play in a division one school um, which is which was awesome but that was when I first got introduced to strength and conditioning so down in the states as I'm sure you're aware, SNC is it's a pretty big part of the program, and I had never been inside a gym before before going down. Like I had done maybe press ups <laughs> and like full sit ups in like gym class, but never sort of any like formal gym training. And I I always remember my my first preseason where we're down in August in Midwest Ohio, where it's like humidity factors through the roof, it's hot, and we're in dorms doing three days and you know, beginning gym training or strength training. And I literally am so sore that I have to like roll over onto my stomach, flip my legs down the ladder and like crawl like down off the bunk bed. Cause I was just so sore. I had like no, no training history, never done a squat, never done a bench press, 
just total novice. But, uh, and then to be really honest, like I wasn't into it. <laughs> like I just, I did not see the benefit. Like I was, I was playing, I was starting as a freshman. I was getting lots of uh, playing time. I was like, no, I don't need this. Like I didn't see, I didn't see it's worth. I did the core. I did the running because I knew that was important. But any sort of the strength training was like, nah, no thanks. Um, and I had a European, one of my really good friends still today, she's Dutch and we just like, uh, we were the worst, like we skipped out on sets and reps and just did the bare bones. It was awful. Like I look <laughs> back and I'm like, wow, <laughs> what was I thinking? However, in my third year, we got this new strength coach called Toby Jacoby and he was this like big football, strong kind of guy. And I was, I was scared of him. I was like, oh my gosh, who is this? But through his coaching philosophy and his programming and his ability to like make me understand what I was doing in the gym and how it transferred the sport, um, a light bulb went on. And uh, I started to see the actual benefits of what that training off pitch was helping me. So I was quite a, like a tall, slender player and I would be knocked off the ball like these you know all the time so I was not getting knocked off the ball I was actually getting faster so like as a forward hockey player that's pretty important part of the game and I like I wasn't getting any niggles or any sort of energy and injury so I was able to play like all the time instead of like having to reduce my minutes so that for me just became like a turning point in regards to what strength and conditioning can do for like myself as an athlete and then studying at university of um you know my bachelor's of science and exercise physiology so i was learning like the physiology the human anatomy and you know the biomechanics of, of the body and how it moves and then like looking how to apply it like really just started to fascinate me and how i could combine both and so that's kind of how my journey kind of really started within that industry was just that personal experience um and after uni i went on in the health and fitness industry and that was really valuable like I got to work with different body types different populations and just started to coach um but my passion definitely was with athletes and um whenever I got a an athlete that was a client it was like oh this is awesome like where what are we training for when's your big competition like and try to work out their training program and I just became super passionate about helping them achieve that that goal so I recognized that that maybe was the direction I wanted to go to so I then started with a private company where we worked with ice hockey players on the dry land off season and school academies throughout the year and then I was like, okay, how, what else do I need to do? Like, I need to get, I always want to try and push that envelope and try and, um, you know, what's my next step. So I got in to do my master's at the University of Edinburgh in strength and conditioning. And then that kind of really started my journey working in more the high performance element of sports. So working with more of the national and international level athletes a few blips uh, along the way, which we'll probably go into. Um, but that's kind of where I am today, working with full-time, working with the wheelchair basketball Canadian team, both the senior men and women, which has been another huge learning curve, working with the Paralympic sports and learning about that. Uh, and then uh, multiple of side hustles, uh, working with, uh, I coach field hockey. I work with the Next Gen Field Hockey Canada girls team doing their SNC and, 
I have my own business uh, as well with my husband's where we do work with online um, athletes. So that's kind of how my journey, hopefully I didn't go on too long. But no, no, you're good. My journey so far. <laughs> so you've got a lot going on at once, definitely. So I was going to ask you what a typical day looks like for you. Obviously, ignore COVID, right? So what happened? What would your typical day look like before this all kicked off? Well, well, COVID is like email, Zoom calls, programs, meetings, email, Zooms, programs, meetings. So that's a typical day currently. Um, I think for me, it really depends on the time of year. So um, just, I guess, with my current role with wheelchair basketball and in the summer from May to August, uh, we all centralize. So both the senior men and women, we centralized here in Toronto and, um, and so that day is a bit different. That kind of period is a bit different from like the rest of the year. But during that period, we um, typical days like the teams are training, like team training, two hours on court. So I'm I'm on court for probably four hours a day. Um, and my role within wheelchair basketball is looking at more the C of strength and conditioning. So I'm looking at working closely with the coaches in regards to the training load and the training adaptions that we're trying to. Uh, trying to achieve so like not overcook our athletes but not undercook them as well within that training piece and then also uh, looking at you know the wellness data that we collect and checking in with the athletes prior to training um, looking at the heart rate making sure the heart rate's all working um, I'm getting so good at changing batteries really quickly I think a record of under 30 seconds <laughs> um, so making sure the heart rate is all working and then I'm on court just you know helping out wherever I, I'm, I'm needed, uh, whether I be rebounding for the athletes, and just getting stuck in and getting in, and getting involved. Um, and then after team practices for both teams are done, um, they do have individual training, but we do have like interns that work with us throughout the summer. So they kind of, I kind of delegate, you know, them to start and stop the heart rates and teach them how if they need to be changed, how to do that. And then I kind of make my way off court and do uh, more the reports of what, the training has been and then have those kind of meetings with the coaches of what was planned versus what was actually planned and do we need to adjust anything for the next day's training or in you know how that kind of how our program is all working together um catching up with the physios and the medical staff making sure how athletes are all healthy um catching up with our strength coach making sure you know we're all kind of in alignment of what our our plans are um and then after kind of the day is done is when i start my side hustles <laughs> i try and get a workout in there whether at lunchtime go for a run or to the gym so try and keep keep that in there as well or sometimes they're late night runs as well <laughs> whenever you get the time in but um and then i guess after my wheelchair stuff i it really varies so sometimes i'm, I'm going out to coffee cook pitch to coach I do do some technical coaching as well which I just love the sport and love being involved in it so and giving back to the next generation of girls coming through um or I'm working on our business uh which is all online based so we're you know checking in with with our athletes making sure their programs are up to date and then yeah with the field hockey Canada stuff same thing it's we're we're a huge country so our athletes are all over the world we, we do have some training centers and Vancouver, Victoria, and Toronto, but some of our athletes are down playing in the States, some are over in Europe playing, so it's just keeping tabs on, on all that um, and making sure everyone's healthy and doing the program, so it's, yeah, every day is different, which I, which I love, um, can't complain there, <laughs> can do just something the same, <laughs> nine to five. <laughs> no, it sounds, 
definitely sounds interesting um so you've obviously got a lot of experience coaching different sports do you find that the athletes motivations are all quite similar or do you notice the difference between the sports males females levels competition or i think that's a really really good question um i think for me it's uh it's really down to the level of athletes for me personally rather than maybe the gender um and the sports I think like fundamentally um, and stereotyping here, but most athletes like they want to get better, they want to improve um, and they want to, they want to see those improvements. So if it's in, in the gym when you're getting stronger or you're getting faster and that transfers to the core or pitch or whatever, then, you know, that's, that motivation factor is there um, to be able to improve. But I think for me, it also is like coaching is art and science, right? It's the art and science of coaching. And when it comes down to the motivation piece, for me, it's the art of it. And it's the personality that how are you going to draw um, that that factor out of the athletes? Um, if, that, if that makes sense. No, that, that makes sense. And, that and I think sometimes with teams, we need to realize that there are individuals within that team and every individual gets um, is motivated differently and so how you approach them um, could be different and that's across sports and across genders how you approach that piece so that for me is as, as a snc coach is, is getting to know your athletes and what ticks individually because how you motivate one athlete is going to be really different of how you motivate another and and they and they're all their personalities that come come with it um i think also interesting from my experience is that like sometimes my vet players or the ones that have the most experience are actually one of my most challenges because they've seen it you know they've been in the sport especially in the para side like some of these athletes have gone to three or four olympics they're in their 40s um so they've they've seen everything (laughs) or they think they've seen everything (laughs) so it's a question of trying to engage them and kind of get that stimulus that still allows them to see uh you know some worthwhile improvements on court or even from their perspective to stay healthy you know that's one of the biggest concerns as an athlete does get older and more progresses in their career that they need to stay healthy so their training load and training volume um with is going to be different than someone that is just a, a younger player um, and then with like the next gen players where they're hungry and they're trying to make the team and they're doing everything they can, it's sometimes I got to rail them in. <laughs> it's like, okay, here we go. Like you can't do everything at once. There has to be a journey. There has to be a process. So that for me, it, yeah, it's the, the levels of their experience and their, where they are in their career. But, um, yeah, just, it's, yeah, that art of coaching and, trying to get that buy-in um, and trust and that you are there for them you want to see them improve you're not trying to like degrade their performance your main objective is so that they can perform <laughs> yeah um, does, that make, does that make sense yeah no absolutely um definitely agree with the concept of just getting to know the individuals regardless whether it's a team sport or an individual sport um like they'll know yourself that as an athlete you'll have had different motivations to your teammates you know, different games get hyped up more than others. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely agree. So this is going to be a tricky one, I think. But do you have a moment that you're most proud of as a coach or as a uh, team manager? Ooh. 
I think, you know, as an SNC coach, you know, every day there's small wins, um, which is what I love about the industry or with the, the profession is that, you know, an athlete, like it clicks and they get the movement or they've, they do a PB or they lifted more than the previous session or whatever. So that's, that's, you know, I think every day you get, you get small wins <laughs> um, or buy-in or whatever, like they, it clicks, but I would say there's probably two kind of proudest moments I've had. Um, so just recently um, the wheelchair basketball team, we hadn't made the Paralympics and we had to qualify at the Pan Am games last summer. And so the women, there was two, we had to make the final and then the women and the men um we had to come top three and so being a part of that journey um you know i just got the job i'd only been like three months into the job and so it was like okay how can i help here i can't make too much change and disrupt everything um so observe what can i do to make worthwhile change to help this team and there was a lot of pressure like in canada sports like we get a lot of funding um, based off if we make the Olympics or not. So if we hadn't made the, if you know, if we didn't make the Paralympics, like I probably would have been out of the job, like just, just based off funding, unfortunately. And that's, is what it is. But, um, yeah, so both, both teams, the Pan Am games, the girls made the finals. I mean, they qualified for the Paralympics and then they went on to win it, which was pretty cool. And down in Peru at the Pan Am games. And then same with the men, the men won their, um, semi-final and made it to the gold medal match and they also qualified so that was a, a pretty cool moment to kind of be part of that of that journey and and, and that stress of making it to the Paralympics <laughs> so that was pretty cool um I would say my other one was when I worked with so actually again this past summer for the world cup soccer with the female in France so I worked with the academy in Scotland the national um Academy for Women's Soccer Team. And our main goal there when I was there was to graduate, you know, our players were between 16 and 21, I believe. Um, so like last year of university and, you know, in between, because in the UK, you, you can go to college at 16, is that right? Yeah, like yeah, you college, to, yeah. Like, grade 12, but you don't necessarily have to go to grade yeah. anyways. Yeah. yeah. Um, so our own main objective within that program at the time was to kind of, you know, the next step after our academy was those players to be like in, um, move on to the national team and be a part of that bubble and that training. So they were with us and then, you know, worked really closely with the, you know, the national team SNC coach of what they needed to do and, and just have that continuous pathway. And so for me this past summer, I had five players that I had worked with that made the Scottish national team that went to the World Cup in France. And that to me was a really proud moment. Just just to be I was only you know, I only worked with them for three, four years. So just be a small part of their their journey and to see them actually achieve that monumental of making the team and then obviously seeing the team make the World Cup. Um, was really cool just to, you know, even have a small part of their journey and um help them along their pathway um, to that was just a, a pretty cool one. And then seeing them play, it's just, yeah, it was pretty cool to see. <laughs> Definitely, I can imagine it was, but that's, yeah, they're incredible achievements. Um, just to go back to, um, you talked about where you went to university. So yeah. you completed your undergrad in exercise physiology at Kent State Uni in the US, and then your master's at... Um, in strength conditioning, sorry, um, at the University of Edinburgh. Did you notice a difference in the environment or the culture around the females on those courses? 
Um, yes. <laughs> the first, uh, the first probably one was that on my master's degree, there was only two females on the course, um, and everyone else was, uh, was male. Uh, and then in my undergrad, it was definitely, there was more, there was more females. Uh, but obviously it was more generalized in my undergrad and now it was more specific. So that was definitely, um, that was definitely a, a factor. And, and and me, for me, when I did my master's, like I walked into that first class, I think it was research methods, and we were combined with a performance master's degree. So there was a lot more females. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like I had no idea that it was both cohorts <laughs> were the same. I didn't realize that. I'm like, oh, cool, there's quite a few of us. And then we get into our separate, and it was just, it was just, you know, me and, and Claire, uh, and we're just like, I and to me, it was more, I was more questions like, where, where are we? Like, where are our, where is it? Where are all the female strength coaches? And, and, you know, it kind of made me realize that, you know, we've, we've got a lot to do here within, um, within this, within this profession of strength and conditioning and getting more, more females, um, involved with this. Um, I think interestingly though, with, with the masters and my undergrad, um, it was more, I think in my masters, the conversation. So I don't know. If you have it's the same, but in the masters you had students that just graduated from undergrad, so they could recite a textbook no problem and knew all like the science knowledge. And we would have conversations, and it had been you know a number of years since I'd been in the academia academia, and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. And I ha- okay, I have to go back and kind of <laughs> look through and just yeah, that oh, I remember learning that, but more along the lines of those that had experience and the applied setting and how those conversations had within class. So we're critiquing an article and just, yeah, it might've worked in the laboratory, but if we were to do that same study out on the field, you know, logistically, yeah, that's not going to work. And so those sort of conversations was more, I would say, um, the difference in, in that aspect of those that, um, like extremely intelligent, knew all like the science, very up to date on all the research, and with were versus those that had more of an applied applied experience. Um, but in regards to the culture, USA versus UK, um, yeah, there's definitely differences. <laughs> um, I would I would say the USA is a little bit their coaching style is a bit more vocal. Um, so they're a little bit more loud, uh, a little bit more vocal in, in how they approach a team. Whereas, and this is again just my experience, my observations. I know there's, you know, lots of different coaches out there with different styles, but this is just an observation. Um, UK, when I came, it was definitely more like observational and letting you know the athletes crack on and more one to one, one to one chats uh, and coaching cues. Whereas the US was a bit more vocal. Um, and yeah, just a little bit, yeah, just higher energy potentially. Um, not to say that you people just don't have that energy at all. It was just that kind of that perception of that vocal, uh, loud. Yeah, intense <laughs> environment, intense environment. Like rah rah, let's go. <laughs> um, so going on from that a little bit. So you said yourself that you started off in the health and fitness industry, and yeah. I'm assuming this is the same in Canada as well, but there's a good number of female instructors and PTs that we we see around the gyms all over the place. But like you said, when you went into your master's of strength and conditioning and when we look at strength and conditioning as a profession, there's a lot less females. What do you 
what do you think what are your own opinions on that why do you think that's the case yeah it's, it's another really good question um getting good at these i don't know if i actually like have the answer i think um i think it's maybe the perception of what the strength and conditioning profession actually is um that maybe deters um people away from from it um i think it could be kind of maybe a confidence paste thing of, of being able to be in charge of a room in charge of a team and and getting you know and not being intimidated uh by that fate by that by the industry and and the type of athletes that you're you're working with um i think also it could be maybe a lifestyle choice as well like um, you know, let's be honest, when you first enter the SNC field, you're not getting much money. Um, it's long hours. Um, and if you're lucky to have some sort of contract, the potentially your hourly rate is less than minimum wage. You know, when you look and you combine all the athletes, all the hours that you do, as well as, um, you know, working on the weekends, um, which sometimes is deters, which deters people from that. I think it is changing. I think Australia actually is doing a, I think I've read somewhere that they are starting to make what is the the standard of, of what the entry level um, salary should be. Um, and I think it, it still needs to grow. And I think we're getting there. We are typically, I guess, still a young professional when we look at the grand scheme of things. And so there are you know, some really great people that are, are pushing pushing that. Like I still... I, I get angry because when you look at an IST staff, the SNC coach is always probably the one that's on the lower end of the pay, pay scale. And I just don't think that's fair. Um, and so it's still a long way to go, but I think we're, we're getting there. Um, but with personal training and in the fitness industry, if you are on your own, you can charge X amount of dollars per session. You can be more in control of uh, what your day looks like if you fill your day with one-on-one -on -one clients or group classes, whereas when you work within that um, SNC athlete population, you're kind of more, uh, you're, not as in, you're not as in control. Like sometimes you're the first hour of the day or sometimes you're the last hour day of the day, but you've got to be there and you're working on weekends. Um, so it's sometimes not, you know, maybe that's a factor that is um, maybe people not wanting to get in, in involved in the profession which it's I love it like it's so rewarding so there's so much reward for being involved in this profession but that those are just some ideas I don't know if I have the answer <laughs> no no I definitely agree there there are l bigger lifestyle differences I think a lot of people since we've um experienced this COVID situation have realized actually personal trainers and instructors probably already more than we are as like qualified strength and conditioning coaches and they're still able to carry on coaching through this time whereas a lot of the strength and conditioning coaches aren't able to do that depending on like their contracts so no that definitely makes sense so going on from that a little bit in your opinion is there anything the industry can do to encourage more females to take up SNC and move from that personal training and instructor kind of environment and maybe encourage more to go down the SNC route think so i think i think it is it has grown from when i first started within the industry um within the snc specifically i think for me it's just getting females out there um 
and and being presented at conferences and webinars and panels like when i went to the UKSEA or the nsea um, of the presenters you know there's maybe one or two of the main speakers that are presenting and i think it is it, we are i am seeing a definitely movement and shift but i think it's just you know those that are interested in in this or want to kind of go from the health and fitness more into the SNC that is actually doable and there are some great female coaches that are in it and are are coaching but they're just not they don't know them because we're not at present we're not at conferences presenting our stuff so I think that would be an area where we as female SNC coaches that are in it we maybe need to do a better job of, of just putting ourselves out there and and getting on you know doing these podcasts and starting this which i think is a definitely good first first step um but you know i even i mean i'm starting to see a shift so like in the panels that the UKSCA um, have recently come out with when i look at those panels it's so cool to see that it's almost a 50 50 split more or less 60 40 but there's definitely more female presence there um which is which is fantastic and i think it's just it's just a question of us that are in it like we just need to push us to get push ourselves outside our comfort zones and you know be be talking about what we're doing and you know start to get things whether it be writing blogs or articles and, and just maybe pushing ourselves so that the next generation of coaches or those that are thinking about getting into the industry that it is doable like it's very rewarding it's a lot of fun um and it is possible (laughs) yeah I definitely agree I think that's kind of part of the reason I've started this podcast as well just so that we've got a little bit more information and promoting ourselves as female SNC coaches so that there are people that they actually might know us (laughs) or you know might know that we exist um (laughs) on your on your own journey to getting to where you are now were there any opportunities or challenges that you faced that you think that might not have happened if you were male in this industry? I think it's it's a really interesting one. Um, I think for me, it comes down to probably my own confidence. Um, so sometimes being only the female on staff, uh, being able to take control of a big group of you know, whether it be a group of female athletes or a group of male athletes and just having having that confidence to be able to lead and articulate what you're trying to get across, um, you know, the direction that you're taking the program and the rationale behind the program. And I think when I first started, like that was probably one of my limiting factors is just building that confidence. Um, and, and then that comes with experience. Like when I work it, walk into a gym today, like I, I don't have an issue and that all, that's all comes with experience, but it definitely, when I first started, it was, you know, it was daunting and, you know, it lacked confidence and, and self-belief and now, you know, you know, and pushing myself outside of my comfort zone to be able to do that would probably be one of the challenges that I probably just personally faced as I've grown through my, through my career. Um, I think another challenging aspect is um, personalities. So within this industry, there are very many different personalities, some extremely uh, strong-willed, um, there's some big egos out there, uh, and it's both male and female, like it's not trying to, you know, there's both, definitely both sides. So someone that maybe isn't as that is just being able to how to approach that um, so that 
a you you don't get walked over on um i think that's a big thing that you still like know your worth and that you do know what you're doing and that you do have an impact in in the discussions and the direction of the program um but it's a question of like if you do have disagree with um someone it's it's the approach that you take to you know make sure that you know you listen to what they're trying to say um but then you also get your your point across as well in a in a professional manner it's kind of you know definitely had challenges along the way with with that one and um and that's yeah I, i've definitely made mistakes <laughs> for sure <laughs> um maybe I should have kept quiet when i spoke up or vice versa i should have spoken up when i kept quiet and that just i think comes with yeah experience and how you deal with those different personalities and and how you um yeah i think just as long as you keep the main the main goal within whatever your organization or team is as long as you're on the same page and you're trying to make your athletes better your team better um on their journey then as long as that is the same approach then you should be good and you can work through those those professional personality kind of conflicts but those probably one of those challenges is is dealing with the different personalities that come within our industry <laughs> definitely so were there any opportunities as well that you came across through your career that were due to you being a female uh yeah i mean i've been very lucky that i've gotten a job because i was a female they needed a female um on staff because we were working with uh underage female athletes and so they needed a female on staff so that they those athletes could be comfortable in going to some you know to a female that kind of knew what they're going especially if those athletes that are going through puberty and and all those issues that unfortunately we have <laughs> um on a monthly basis um and i just having that that person on staff that you know can help them know they feel you know safe going to um in canada we have and we have this thing called the 2 2 plus rule and that's where you have to have two members of staff if you're doing um you know one-on-one meetings or anything like that um just with all the issues unfortunately that have gone on with within the this industry of um a, a staff unfortunately taking advantage of athletes or whatever it might be in Canada we've really gone down to that 2 plus rule so there always has to be um if you're working with a female athlete that has to be a female and a male in in that meeting um just so it protects the athlete and as well as extra staff as well so i've been i've been fortunate that i've gotten work based off of that they needed a female cuz we were working with female athletes so i um yeah i have been lucky on on that side as well mm. that's interesting that they've done that they put that role in yeah oh, it's been wow. a big thing here um you know even on the medical staff like if we're on tour um and you know they're doing treatments or whatever um i've sometimes had to kind of be like the door has to be open or they've come to my room to do the treatments and the athletes come to my room to do the treatment like it's just they just want to cover the organizations want to cover their butts um and make sure you know and it it protects the staff as well as protects the athletes as well so it's just just the the new normal. Yeah. It gives you some opportunities as well then. You know, the new system. Yeah, I think it it does. I think, you know, there is um 
you know, in coaching world, so not the SNC, but in the coaching world, there is a, a movement to get more female actual coaches in. So there has been predominantly more male coaching, coaching female teams. Um, so there, there is a movement there, which is which is great um, to be, you know, to ensure that you know there is an opportunity, there is a career in sport for females, um, whatever, whatever, you know, on the applied side. So just to jump back a little bit to your like work history, you yep. have also worked as a team manager, haven't you? I have. So were there any skills that you think that you gained from being an SNC coach that you brought into being a team manager and vice versa? Oh, like definitely. I think, you know, for me, when I did my team management, I did team management for two years. And, and basically the, the backstory was that is, my husband and I had moved from the UK back to Canada and um, uh, it was a tough decision because my husband had got a job working with Rugby Canada. He's a strength and conditioning coach as well. Um, and I am Canadian citizen, he's Irish. So for him to get work um, and get sponsored and to you know be able to have this opportunity, you know, if we were ever gonna move back to Canada, this was kind of the time that we did because more likely it would be easy to get me a job for myself than for him. So he got the job. So I was like, okay, let's, let's go. So I moved over about six weeks after him, but it was tough because I was loving what I was doing at the UK. In the UK, I was working with the National Scottish uh, Football or Soccer Academy at Harriet Watt and working with the squash, the Scottish squash team and tennis Scotland. And so it was tough for me to leave all that um, and come back to nothing. Um, and so I actually had to go back into the health of health fitness industry for a year because we needed to make money. There was no opportunities coming about and we needed to pay our bills and get food on the table. So, um, I had, you know, I went and did that. And when the team management stuff, nothing was really coming from the strength and conditioning side through. So when the team management jobs came up at Rugby Canada, I was like, I'm going to go for it because I really miss the high performance environment. Um, I, ha I have a passion for that. So I'm going to give it a go. And I was lucky enough to get that job and it was eye opening. <laughs> um, being only involved in like the applied aspect of working directly with the athletes for performance, there is a whole nother side of sport <laughs> um, that I just, knew was there but had no idea the landscape of it in regards to the administration and the organization like preparing all the stuff going in for you know major tournaments especially on the the rugby sevens um world cup tour um there's a lot of like forms and administration stuff that needs to get and then you've got flights and team travel it was daunting, but I was lucky that with my you know, background of, of sports science and stuff, I was able to use that to help make decisions within that team management side, whether it be making sure like we had the right equipment for our cool downs or we was working with our nutritionist and making sure, you know, for our recovery drinks, I would make all those for, for the girls uh, post-recovery or small things that, I was able to utilize with my applied setting. I would hope I was able to use within my team management skills, whether it be looking at jet lag protocols for travel, you know, we get these, you know, from our travel agent, we get, you know, these flights and I'm like, nah, -uh, that's like, that's ridiculous. They're going to be so tired. They're going to be, it's not going to be, they're not going to be able, you know, best their performance and competition in four or five days time. So just, I use, try to use that. So I wasn't completely 
wasting that. And then on the flip side, when I moved back into the high performance kind of applied setting, I definitely became like more aware of everything that went on. So this decisions process to get things done, you know, a lot of the times I would get frustrated if we couldn't get a decision going. And now I kind of understand, okay, it has to go. I understand why <laughs> we may not be able to make those decisions or get that piece of equipment that we need or anything like that, because there's, there's the whole other element of funding that I'm glad I'm not in finance because it blows <laughs> my mind. But definitely able to take away from that piece and a more better understanding of what goes on behind the scenes and, and you know, skills like organization, leadership and teamwork. Um, definitely were able to come, you know, cross over between both. So those kind of key fundamentals. But it was it was fascinating experience. I did Rugby Canada team management for the Women's Sevens program. And then I also did uh, Swimming Canada as well. Um, so going from an individual sport to team sport was also very different. But um, yeah, I really valued it. Um, I did recognize that, that, you know, I really missed the applied side <laughs> and the actual like day in and day out of working with the athletes. But I'm really glad that I got an opportunity to, to do that. And I, I traveled all over the world doing that doing that job so yeah fortunate and lucky um and just yeah got a bigger understanding of the scope of, of sport because <laughs> it's massive <laughs> yeah I can imagine having that experience of like you said working out can I order this piece of equipment why is this not happening and um and on the other like the flip side of that working out yeah your jet lag and things like that, that maybe that might not spring to mind to someone that hasn't had like that much practical experience um yeah, yeah okay um so for any early career like female strength conditioning coaches that might be listening what advice would you give to them okay so my biggest thing is just get coaching like get out and just get get coaching and, and start building your systems and your craft and your coaching cue and your coaching philosophy and get coaching um you know go down to your local club and run the warm-ups or like for me I played field hockey at club level and I ran I ran the warm-up so I was developing my craft and, and coaching in my warm-ups and yeah they were my guinea pigs um same with the lifting right and strength thing start training your friends and family um in I remember when I was at in Edinburgh I uh had my friend and we went to the gym at Edinburgh Uni Monday Wednesday Friday at 6 a.m and um like I felt bad but she was my guinea pig like I was lifting as well we did a program but you know learning the complex movements of um you know Olympic style lifting and being able to coach those and break those down of why you're not quite getting the technique only comes with practice um and so just yeah get out get out coaching is probably my number one advice and at that time it's okay to make mistakes. You know, you make mistakes in, at coaching your friends and family, as long as it's not serious. <laughs> but just the way you program and the different types of selection of different exercises and how you combine them to get the result that you want, um, you can make mistakes. Because when you're on the, the big stage and it's a tournament or it's an athlete's, you know, livelihood, if they play or not, you know, that's a lot more pressure. So start to start to just get out and coach would be the number one element. Um, I think number two would be, you know, if you can find a mentor that can help you with the process of navigating this field. Um, I think if I had had a mentor earlier on, like right at, in my undergrad, 
I think I probably would have gone into more of the high performance sector a little bit earlier. Um, I was lucky with um, Neil Gibson. He gave me an opportunity um, at Harriet Watt University working with those different programs. And I really valued his direction and our conversations and, um, you know, being evidence-based in, in what you're trying to achieve um, and the rationale behind that and making sure that that, you know, you're not just thinking off the top of your head of what you want to do. And so I, I value that um, as well as, as building a network, you know, um, having, having your classmates or people within your um people that you meet just keep in contact with people um this is a really small industry um but i think that's yeah communicating talking shop like we like i love talking with you because we're just talking shop and we're you know the conversation flows so easily because we're both passionate about this industry and and the things that we've done and the you know the hurdles that we've come across um so that would be the, that one and then i would say lastly is, is never stop learning um, just never stop. I think what I really noticed about the situation with COVID-19 and I think our industry has done a really fantastic job is that there's been so many free webinars, panelists, conferences. Um, and I've just, like, I know it almost like every other day, um, I, you know, listening to something that someone's saying and learning about their experience or what they're doing currently and how they're approaching different coaching methodologies or training or technique. But this is what's great about our industry. There's no ceiling effect, in my opinion. There's always good research coming out. There's books coming out. There's different ways to apply your, apply your knowledge and coaching. Um, so just never stop learning, which is what I love about this industry because I'm always learning. <laughs> Yeah, we're still we're still such a new kind of profession that there's so much data, so much information coming out still, there's really no excuse to keep to keep on top of it yeah. all. Um yeah. so kind of going on from that a little bit, if you do you recommend any resources? So do you use podcasts, do you use books, or anything in particular that you'd recommend? So my like my go to book um uh, that I refer to if I'm want to make sure that what I'm programming with my my training uh, with my athletes is the high performance uh, training for sports by David Joyce and Daniel Lundin. That's kind of my, that's my go-to book. My actually, both my husband and I have the same book. We have two copies because <laughs> we both, when we, before we got together, like we both have that book. So that's kind of my, that's my bread and butter. I love it because the chapters um, are with some really great authors doing the different chapters, and it just gives you a really good overview of things that you might need to just check up on when you're programming. Um, another good book, if you haven't read it, is Conscious Coaching by Brett Bartholomew. Um, I love that book because um, it talks about the art of coaching and the buy-in of different working with different personalities, and, and that for me just really hit home. Um, so if you haven't read that one, I would definitely get your hands on that one. Um, podcast, well, obviously Queens and Queens <laughs> is going to be, uh, number one. Perfect. Um, <laughs> I'll give you a fiver later. <laughs> yeah, um, but other ones that maybe been a little bit long, longer, <laughs> um, I like, I really enjoy PC performance podcasts, um, I think he has up to maybe close to 300 episodes now yeah. where you can really go in and choose whatever kind of area you're interested or want to upskill yourself or hear someone talk about it. I think 
for me, there's probably three that I really enjoyed listening to. Was um, the first one was Nick Nick Grantham's uh, podcast. I really enjoyed his about mentorship, having a side hustle, and his journey was pretty cool. Um, I enjoyed Dawn Scott's one as well. She's the well, what she's currently the sports scientist for the women's football or soccer team, but she did work for the USA in the World Cup um, last summer. But she goes into like how she's changed the scope uh, of the US hockey and also goes into like the menstrual cycle and her research on that element, which I thought for a female working with female athletes, I think that was quite interesting. And I, I really like Sophia Nymphis's one um, as, as well. Uh, I love the change of direction, agility, speed type work. Um, I really enjoy reading about that. So that was for me, uh, those were three, if you, if you want a chance, those would be uh, those, those three podcast <laughs> or three lectures on that podcast <laughs> yeah definitely um i'll need to have a look at those three up yeah. there's about 300 you need to catch up on in the pace of performance <laughs> keeps yeah. keeps making yeah. them it's uh, pretty <laughs> yeah. um so if there's anyone listening that would like to get in touch with you or just find a little bit more about what you do at work and um, where can they find you yeah, so I'm on, I'm on social media, so um, my personal uh, uh, social media is just CoachKP10. <laughs> um, so yeah, social media and Twitter, uh, probably the, you just send me a message on those two platforms. You can also email me, um, kateperry1 at live.com. So Perry is my maiden name, um, McMullen is my married name, so <laughs> even though I've been married for a few years, it's like professionally like I'm still like Perry I guess but socially I'm with Mullen so <laughs> I'm still trying to navigate that one um and then uh athletes excel is my business account or my husband and my business account so that's just athletes and then xcel um and we're both on social media instagram and twitter and uh, we have a facebook page as well but we if you want more like that's kind of where we post and we need to get better at it um of posting more um just getting things on paper of kind of areas that we're interested in so my husband works currently works with the cycling canada um track cycling team as their snc coach um so we post stuff about track cycling so if you're a cyclist and like to know more about that and obviously i'm into team sports and, and field hockey so I'll, you know sometimes you write about some stuff like that which can all obviously transfer to other sports as well but those would be yeah coach kp and athletes excel would be the main ones if you want, if you want to get in contact <laughs> okay no worries I'll, I'll put them in the bio for the podcast so for anyone listening they can they don't have to memorize that it'll be written down there and i can it'll be easy to find but Happy to write it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you very much for this conversation. It's been a good chat. Um, yeah, having me. No worries. Um, and we'll catch up soon. Okay. Thanks, thanks so much for having me. Bye. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Cleans and Queens podcast, episode four. Kate was a fantastic guest and she had a lot of advice and knowledge that I think is relevant to so many different environments. She's obviously a very busy woman and I'm hugely grateful that she took the time out to have a chat with me. Both Kate and I are keen to hear any feedback, uh, so both of our details are in the bio for this episode. So please let us know what you think. Thanks for listening.